You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Hope you are having a fantastic week so far. We are continuing our series in threads, but we are changing uh, the theme. So for the first four uh, versions, versions, I don't know why I said versions, but um, the first four sermons that we talked about, we talked about things that kind of had to do with nature. Um, and this week, we're starting a new thread called Empires, Kingdoms, and Realms. So all of the different uh, things that we're going to talk about kind of fall under those categories. Really, we're going to be talking about groups of specific people um, and the roles that they play, but we'll also talk about um, spiritual realms. We'll talk about war. We're going to talk about kingdoms. But this week, we're talking about prophets. If you go to Faith Chapel, if you're part of our family on the weekends, um, our online discipleship pastor, Jordan, brought an incredible message. And he kind of did this uh, meta-narrative or 30,000-foot view of what prophets were. And one of the things that he said that really stuck out to me was this, is that prophets were people who called people back home, people who pointed to God's truth. That would include his faithfulness, strength, uh, to strengthen people, to encourage people, and to comfort people. And they were called to be set apart, and they called the people of Israel to be set apart. But what I want to do is I want to look at one specific prophet, and it's a prophet that that many of us might not have even known was technically a prophet, but was a part of our childhood if we grew up in church, and that's Daniel. And yes, we're going to talk about Daniel and the lion's den. I think this story, the older I get, is more and more profound. I think as a kid, you're like, wow, he he survived uh, in a den of lions overnight. Like That is absolutely incredible. But there's so much more at play relationally, spiritually, um, the things that God does through this movement. Like it is, it is amazing. And so we're going to be in the book of Daniel, uh, chapter six. But before we jump into scripture, I want to set a little bit of context. Daniel was from the nation of Judah. He was this Israelite who was taken captive by the nation of Babylon. The Babylonians would take these young men who they saw a lot of potential in, and they would come and they would bring them to Babylon and they would enslave them, but they would put them in positions where they knew that they would be effective. Well, Daniel's not the only one that gets taken by the Babylonians. He also has some friends, and three of his friends are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you grew up in church, or maybe even if you didn't, you've probably heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're these three men who are brought before a previous king than the one we're going to talk about today. And this king creates this large statue of gold and is requiring everybody to bow down to it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they, they refuse to do that. So they get thrown into a fiery furnace. Everyone's expecting them to burn up a fourth man appears in the furnace there's this incredible moment where they understand that god is with shadrach meshach and abednego they're not hurt at all everyone is blown away and worships the god of shadrach meshach and abednego and the reason i always think that this is incredible and i'm kind of going to just give like a standalone sermon point here this really doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the sermon but every time i talk about daniel i feel like i have to talk about shadrach meshach and abednego and vice versa and, and the first point would be this is that don't let god's use of other people determine whether you think he can use you too often what happens 
is that we look at our friends and our family and the things that they're doing for the kingdom or who are successful in the world, and then we make this assumption that they're the one out of our family group or they're the one out of our friend group that's going to be impactful. They're the ones who's gonna, who are going to go do amazing things. And we tend to like step back believing that God can only use a specific amount of people out of every so many people. But the fact of the matter is that God wants to use you, end of story, full stop. There's nothing keeping you from being as successful as the people around you. And I I love the story of Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because these are like spiritual giants. These are these are all men who did incredible things for the kingdom of God, and they were homies. Like they were they were close to each other. And Daniel didn't look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, someone who probably witnessed what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and was like, okay, well then I'm not going to do anything. No, like we are people who get to impact the kingdom of God, and God wants to use us, we do not need to shy away from the calling on our life because other people have already stepped in to theirs. All right, that has nothing to do with the rest of the sermon, but I just felt like I had to, had to say that. It was on my heart. So Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our time, and we're going to jump in right at the beginning. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, it says, It pleased Darius, who was the king at the time, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Satraps were uh, governors. They were they were overseers. They, were, they looked at regions. And over those satraps with three administrators over them, one of them was Daniel. So you have 120 satraps and three administrators who oversaw this. So Daniel's like high up the food chain, one of three administrators overlooking them. These satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charge against charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of of his God. Unless it has something to have to do with the law of his God. So the first point is this, is that it's a different location, but it's the same faith. That Daniel was taken from one country to another that had a completely different set of values, yet he did not lose himself. And for us today, I wonder if we can say the same. Maybe it's not a shift of country and we, we hopefully or probably won't be taken captive, but does our faith stay consistent no matter our circumstance? For Daniel to have kept his faith despite his circumstances, absolutely amazing. And I just can't help but think, like, how easily do I lose my faith when life isn't going my way? I tend to have really great faith when life is going well, and my faith seems to waver when life isn't going so well. But that's not really faith. That's just, like, riding the waves of life in in this, like, hypothetical type of way where we're just like, yeah, I'm in relationship with Jesus, and, like, everything's good when life is good, and everything's not so good with Jesus when life isn't so good. That's not faith. That's not consistency. Like, so can we become or can we continue to be people who have faith consistently despite our circumstances? No matter where we're at, do we let our faith determine how we react to our circumstances or do we let our circumstances determine what kind of faith we have in said circumstances. We're called to have big, bold faith, like 100%, but that doesn't come at the cost of small, consistent faith. It's both and. Yes, big prayers, bold prayers, miraculous prayers, 100%. Big faith that God's going to do incredible things, but faith that God's going to continue doing the things that he does every single day, putting breath in our lungs and food on the table and roofs over our head. Little things like that in our relationships, whatever it may be, small, consistent faith, coupled with big, bold, miraculous faith creates something 
incredible. A second question that would come out of this would be, does location play a part in my lifestyle or my faith? And like, does who, who I'm around affect who I am? I know for me, man, this has absolutely been a problem over my life. I'm a, I'm an extrovert and I like to blend in. I like to kind of be a chameleon, but but being a chameleon in different groups of people doesn't mean that your foundation changes. Your character should never be called into question. In there, there's a scripture, Paul says, like, to the Jews, I was a Jew, and to the Gentiles, I was a Gentile. I became all things to all people so that maybe one would, would meet the Lord. But that's that ending statement. Like, so maybe one would come to know Christ, that one would come to know the Lord. That's the statement. It's not about becoming all things to all people. It's becoming all things to all people so that people will meet Jesus. It's not becoming all things to all people so that we fit in and we feel better about ourselves or people look at us in a different way. It's so that people might meet Jesus. So that so can we become people who have faith in different circumstances and we can be extroverted in circumstances and we can be introverted in, in, in certain circumstances and we can be introspective and, and we can be outgoing, like all these different things. We can do those things and we can step into culture. But does our character stay the same? Does our faith stay the same? Does our foundation stay the same? Because the reason we become people who can be all things to all people is so that one or hopefully many would come to know Jesus. So a quick overview of the next few few verses, uh, verses six through nine. This is essentially what happens. These guys who are, who are upset with Daniel come to the king and they say, hey, you should make a decree. This would be really cool. I think you'd love it. Um, you should make a decree that nobody can worship any any man or any God except you for the next 30 days. And King Darius, who is friends with Daniel and who knows Daniel's faith, has pride in this moment and says, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Pride makes you do really stupid things. So he signs this law that you cannot worship any God or any man for the next 30 days except for King Darius. And where we pick up is Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, and this is important, just as he had done before. Daniel wasn't going to let any decree made by a human man determine whether or not he was going to worship his God. This isn't a separate sermon point. This is just pointing back to Daniel's consistently, just like he had done before. He made an identity-based decision that was, I am a worshiper of the one true God. Nothing is going to change that. No person is going to change that. No law is going to change that. No king is going to change that. I am a worshiper of the one true God. These men knew Daniel's faith. They catch him praying. They say, hey, King Darius, didn't you say that thing about worship? He said, yeah, I did. And then what we find is this dialogue between these men and King Darius in verses 13 through 16. It says, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Daniel was important to him. So then the men went as a group to King Darius, and they said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the, so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. So a question that I want to ask is, what does it look like to serve God continually? 
I love the book of Daniel because if you read through the whole thing, you see that Daniel was a prophet, but he was also entrusted to play pivotal, quote unquote, secular roles because of his character and because of his gifts. He had these governmental appointments that he thrived in. And I think so often we have this misnomer, this 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 idea that that serving God means serving God means that we have to disengage from the world. But serving God doesn't mean disengaging from the world. It means engaging fully in tandem with Jesus and for the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Serving God does not mean disengaging from the world. It means engaging fully in tandem with Jesus and for the kingdom of God. Daniel's life was a statement to the world every single day. He was present to his appointment every day, but he was always in tune with God. I think there's this misconception that to serve God continually, you have to be like in full-time vocational ministry and that that's how you serve God continually. But, but friends, please hear me. Like I serve God in a full-time vocational capacity and I'm not serving God continually. I wish that I was, but that my, it's not about my, my vocation. It's about my posture. It's about my position. It's the why, the why behind what I am doing. I always think of one of my friends who I worked with here at the church years ago, and now he's in the financial world and he's making a ton of cheddar and he's doing incredible things. And I think he's probably serving the kingdom better now than he would have if he would have stayed at the church. The, the way that he gives and the way that he loves and the way that he serves and the way that he sets people up for success and the way that he connects people, like there's all these incredible things that he's doing for the kingdom of God outside of vocational ministry because he decided that his servitude to Jesus wasn't dependent on his vocation. So I don't know what your your current appointment is. Maybe it's Taco Bell. Maybe it's a barista. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a lawyer. I don't I don't know what you're doing, but your vocation does not determine your appointment. Or I'm sorry, your your vocation does not determine your calling. Your calling is to make disciples, to love people like Jesus. Your vocation is simply just an appointment. But we have to be people who are present in those appointments. We're present in our jobs, we're present with our friends, we're present with our families, and we're always people who are striving to be in tune with Jesus on how he wants to step, how he wants us to step into our calling within those appointments. The story goes on to say this in verses 19 through 23. It says, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, says it again, been able to rescue rescue you from the lions. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Two character qualities that Daniel shows in this moment are forgiveness and trust, but it creates a question within me. Do I trust God enough to forgive others? Let me unpack that a little bit. I believe that our unwillingness to forgive others is often rooted in a fear that God will not protect us moving forward. That if I forgive, it's just going to happen again. But it's important that we understand that there is a difference between forgiveness and forgetfulness. You don't have to put yourself back into situations just because you forgave someone for what they did. On the flip side of that coin, as followers of Jesus, we have to understand that just because someone forgave us doesn't necessarily mean that we get another chance. There are hu- there are limits to human forgiveness, but there are no limits to the forgiveness of Jesus. So will we let the forgiveness of Jesus spur us towards forgiving others? Daniel, in this moment, and other heroes of the Bible all throughout scripture, had a posture of forgiveness because they knew that they had been forgiven. That it would have been completely understandable if Daniel would have gotten out of the lion's den and looked at Darius and been like, screw you, man. Like, we were friends. Like, you had me. Like, you were thinking about putting me over to all of the, the nation of Babylon. Like, 
and you threw me in a lion's den because you knew because I prayed for someone who you knew I would pray for. They're like you didn't understand the consequences of the decree that you set, and like I'm mad, I'm mad at what you did. But no, he says, "May the king live forever." And he says, "I I've not done anything. I've I've been innocent in the sight of God, and I've never done anything wrong before you, Your Majesty." So like in that moment, there's this forgiveness that's extended to King Darius, this this posture that Daniel has, not of anger but of forgiveness, and I absolutely love that. And the second question that I think that we have to ask alongside this is, do we have a hard time forgiving others because we don't believe that Jesus could actually forgive us? That it's hard to believe that that our messiness and our brokenness could be forgiven by Jesus. And I just want to say this, like it's a completely understandable feeling. Like we're really messy. We're really broken. But just because something is hard to believe doesn't mean it isn't true. It's hard to believe that Jesus would forgive us, but it's still true. It's hard to believe that Jesus would love us, but it's still true. It's hard to believe that Jesus could use us, but it's still true. You and I are forgiven. Let that drive how we approach our lives, how we approach our relationships. Let us be people who are in constant pursuit of forgiveness because Jesus forgave us first. The last two verses, three verses I want to look at is this Daniel chapter 6, verses 25 through 27. It says, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear fear, and have reverence for the God of Daniel. So at the beginning of the story, we hear a decree that says everybody must worship me. And now we're hearing a decree that says, hey, you got to have reverence for the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and endures forever. This is really important because this is a king saying this, this following statement, his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues, he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. A king becoming prostrate before a king. A king bending his knee to the king. And the last point this week is this, is that faith breeds faith. Daniel had incredible faith in the faithfulness of God. God comes through because that's who God is. That faith leads to the king of the most powerful nation on the earth at the time, declaring faith in Daniel's God. This is an incredible moment that the king of the Babylonian empire is like, yes, I see what's happening. I see the God that you serve. I am going to serve him. I'm going to create a decree that the people need to have reverence for who God is because he is the one true God. He is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. I mean, these are unbelievable statements coming from a powerful man. And because of Daniel's faith in God, this statement happens. This decree is made. So because of the, the representation and the example of Daniel, this is my prayer, is that we would be people who display great faith, not so the world will see how faith-filled we are, but so that they will see how faithful God is. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.